Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Amen. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Man, I just can't get off of his goodness this morning. I really felt like I was praying to the Lord. I don't like to get up here. I don't take speaking to God's people lightly because I really believe I'm going to stand before him one day and totally be responsible. You know, he's going to say, what did you do with the microphones that I hand at you? I really believe he's going to look at me and say that because that's my lot. Whatever your lot is, you'll have to be accountable for that. But for, for me right now, I'm accountable to be faithful with what he has for me. And I was just asking him this morning, because we're doing a a series on finances. This is the second one, and I get to preach about it. And I am really grateful. I feel like the Lord has taken me on a journey to understand finances from his perspective, to be able to maintain as a steward, which is a servant, a good amount of finances throughout my lifetime. There's been ups and downs. I know y'all can relate to that. But um, I asked him, I said, Lord, what do you really want me to convey today? And um, I really feel like the Lord said, I want them to get my goodness. I want them to get my goodness. And I kind of gave you a little piece of my story, but I really feel like it makes sense to just tell you a little bit more. I was raised in a family where I did not understand God's goodness. It took me a long time because I wasn't raised in a godly family, you know? And so I I grew up with my parents at odds, like you already know, but my dad... Um, what really tore it up for me and made me really desperate, it was like this moment of collision for me, was when my dad, his father, which is my grandpa, died, and it shook him. It really like, shook him to the core, and he didn't know how to get peace or relief. Like, he had already lost his mom at 21. That was a traumatic event for him. He was dealing with that, trying to raise two kids, had a wife, a job, trying to make it in California. I'm a Californian, by the way. Woo woo. It's like a nation, okay? So, you know, I just got to represent. Um, but anyways, I'm here in Kansas City, and I love it. So, and I'm going to be here for a long, long time. So, but my dad was struggling, and then all of a sudden, sorry, I'm not a comedian, but I just have these moments of joking. I just can't help it. But, <laughs> back to the story. But my dad's dad died, and it was the last straw for him. So my dad turned to what he knew, which was drugs, right? We grew up in this hippie kind of area. Um, it was really strange, like lots of hippie kind of people. Like everyone smoked weed and whatever. I don't know how you feel about it. We're not getting into that today. But my dad had smoked weed and not the best thing, right? But then when that happened, all of a sudden, he started doing cocaine. And um, as a kid, I had no fundamental understanding of what had changed in my dad. I was actually like 14. You'd think I would get it. I was from like this kind of like hood area. My mom was a cop, so we kind of lived in the hood. You know what I mean? So drugs was like not off the table of discussion going to middle school. Like these kids had drugs. So I, you'd think I would know, but I had no idea. My dad just became a really cold and callous person. And he was doing drugs to cope with this. And I was shook to the core as a young person because I'm a daddy's girl. So imagine, right? I'm growing up and I'm going to basketball practices because I love my dad. He plays basketball. So I'm like a basketball star of sorts because he is. And so I'm starting to play sports. And then all of a sudden, I'm 15. I'm, in, I'm grafted into almost everything that he does. And he starts doing drugs and basically becomes dead. Like he might as well like 
please forgive me, but as a kid, this is how I felt. To me, he might as well have died. Like that probably would have been easier to handle emotionally for me because now I had a dead man walking in my presence. And so I would approach him literally and be like, dad, I scored 10 points at the game. And he would look at me, you guys, with this face that was like, he did not see me. It was the most painful thing of my life. And I would be like, dad, like, daddy, are you there? And he would just look at me like, and my mom one day, it hurt her to see me so hurt, pulled me aside and said, hey, baby girl, we got to talk. And I was like, what? Like, what's going on with dad? Like, what's wrong with him? She's like, hey, we're going to send him away to this house where he's going to get better. And I'm like, well, what's wrong? We have a very transparent family. And so she was like, he's doing drugs, and I don't know what else to do. I can't hide it anymore. Like, so as a child, this is me, right? This like swirl of commotion. My world is ending. I'm in a private school now. I'm trying to keep it together, safe face, look good. And my world is coming to an end. Like the, my favorite person is dead. And I don't know how to get him back. And so we sent him to the house and you know, the story goes on and we could be here for hours. But long story short, I'm in this moment and I'm still playing basketball because you just gotta, I don't know, what do you do? Like, you just gotta keep going, I guess. Like, I was really depressed as a child though and I was going through it. And this girl, Brittany Ralph, I'll never forget her, was like a messenger, annoying, but a messenger nonetheless. And she, I think it was like seventh time, hey Gabby, you wanna come to church with me? Brittany, dude, I don't do church. Like, can I be honest? Are y'all gonna hate me for this? Okay, I'm gonna be honest, okay. This is filming, I'm sorry if this gets on the internet. <laughs> As a young black girl in America, in America, that sounds, okay, that's loaded. In California, just trying to say, oh God. Okay, I'm thinking, I'm gonna be honest, church is this place where like, this white guy's on the stage playing a guitar, which ironic, because that's what I do now, but like, I'm thinking I'm gonna go to this place and that's what I'm gonna see, and I'm not gonna be able to resonate with these people. There's nothing for me there. That's how I'm feeling. But I didn't want to get left behind because these are all my basketball friends. These are the homies, so I'm going to go for Brittany because she's on my nerves. So I went. And I'm not kidding, you guys. This is how the Lord found me, and this is why I speak of his goodness. This all relates. I'm sitting on the sixth row, right? And my friends are clowning. They, have, they are all raised in the church. They're not concerned with what's going on. But this white guy, without a doubt, I was totally right. This white guy gets on stage playing the guitar all by himself, and he's worshiping his heart out. And I was like, see, I knew that this was going to happen. But I'm not kidding. I did not know this part. The Holy Spirit in that white guy like literally came up to my face and was like, hey. I didn't hear him like that, but it just felt like this wave. If I could describe it, because I'm very visual, it was like this wave of peace like engulfed me. I had no words. I felt like I was in the ocean and all my problems like washed away. And I became, like to some people, they'd call me psychotic. To me, I'd call myself passionate. I became very passionate about the Lord because my life went from dark, I'm trying to kill birds on the walk to school because I'm so angry, suicidal, mad, hopeless, to, whoa, I can sleep at night. I'm not so concerned anymore. There's a peace. I, I don't know if things will be okay, but like I know things will be okay. I don't know how, but there's someone that loves me. My parents aren't listening to me right now because they're going through their own thing but God cares and he's passionate about me. And then I just kept going because I was desperate, you know, mostly to escape my crazy household. Like it was just nice to get away. So I would be at church as much as possible. 
And then the Lord found me. And that to me is his goodness. Why do I bring all this up? Because I really feel like God has entrusted me and he could probably give his own spill in this because he knows way more. My, my brain is finite. His is like not. He can think way beyond us. I really feel like the Lord has given me an, an anointing to handle money in my life because, I, it, first of all, it's not a big deal to me because I grew up in a family that had a lot of money but a lot of problems. And so like, I'd rather take God peace and like a mobile home any day versus a mansion in the suburbs with a perfect family and we're fighting and like I would any day, any day, hands down. But also because I'm aligned with his, the knowledge of his goodness. And I believe, I say that not because I'm so amazing and I, I wanna just like bestow to you a little token of my amazingness, no. I say that because I really believe the Lord has that for all of us today. I really believe he wants to align us as a body, as his people, as his beloved people, he loves us so much, with his goodness so that he can give more to you. When you get money, I mean, y'all have all used money. Yeah, I see clothes on you, of course, right? Like, you would probably be disheveled and a little out of place if you had never seen money or touched money or had money. But, like, when you are aligned with his goodness and he gives you a sum of money that is huge or something, you're no longer, the way you use it is different, period. And that's what I want to talk about today, okay? So, I know Pastor Greg, right, my brother, last sermon was really about the history of like God's people, how they would use finances and they didn't have American dollars, they had crops and they'd give their first fruits and all of that. And it's really easy to take that and be like, that's old, we're not doing that, like it makes no sense for my life. But if you don't understand the history of God's people, who in here is a believer? Can I just see a show of hands? This is not to segment. Okay, so the moment you became a believer, you chose to basically align yourself with a new lineage. And the Lord grafted you in. That's what the Bible says. So the moment that happens, everything about that history about the crops and how they used to take first fruits and all of that, the lineage, if you've ever read Chronicles, you're like, why am I reading about these people? They have nothing to do with my life. Psych, they do. <laughs> Because you're grafted in. Those are all your cousins and uncles and all that stuff. So, surprise, you're now grafted into a Jewish family. And the way you see the world has to change. And the Lord will make sure it happens. So you don't have to do it on your own. He wants to help you do it. So he sends little people like me and Pastor Greg. And then Dalton will be next week to help you and help us, really. Because I'm learning as I do this. So I'm not like some super saint here. I'm learning, too, as I research this. So I learned it first, and now I'm just regurgitating. But... He wants us to get our lineage, to understand who he is, to realign. So that's what we're doing today. And um, first things first, I just want to start off by saying it's not God's will for you to struggle all your life with money or with the fact of not having it or not having enough, more than enough, always enough, forever, or however it goes. But the reality is he wants you to have more than enough. Let's just get that straight. I know as a Christian... That thought of, does God want me to have more than enough, has always been a struggle for me. Always. And sometimes it tries to knock at my door and still, like, tempt me to struggle. Like, that one lie of, like, no, God just wants you to have just enough so that you don't sin. So that you won't be tempted to gamble. Or you won't be tempted to buy excess baloney. I mean, 
Sin is always going to creep and knock at your door. You're a Christian. That's life. Let's just throw that out the window. But the reality is, is God, you are a messenger on this earth. And the reality is, is if you don't carry the Lord and his spirit, who else is going to? There's nobody else but you. And the moment you gave your life, you signed up for that. I'm sorry. I know they lied to me too, okay? I thought it was just for me. I was out here for myself. But it's for you too. And he said, hello, I'm choosing you. I need you to have more than enough, always enough, forever enough. Yeah, he wants that for you. So let's just get that out of the way. And I have a scripture to prove it because I don't just be up here spitting stuff like that and not have a scripture because that's dangerous to do. He says, the Lord, and this is on behalf of John, right? Third John 1, 2. He says, beloved, I pray you always prosper concerning all things. Concerning what? All things. Not just your health, not just your family dynamic, not just your education, all things. And to be in good health just as your soul prospers. And he goes on to talk, and that's just the beginning of that chapter. So if you're curious as to what else he says, please read it. But he wants you to prosper concerning all things, and money is one of those things. So I want to just jump in here. This to some might seem old, but I want to show you some things that are old but still relevant. But if you don't know about them, you low-key kind of suffer and don't know you're suffering until somebody comes along and tells you that you should have been paying attention to that the whole time. And that's how this is kind of is. A lot of us function according to how we think money should be used. And then when we find out the real way, we're like, why did I not know this? The beauty of how to use money. So let's just jump in. Christy, could you put up that first image? I don't know, have y'all seen this? Can you see it up there? I don't know if you can see that, but it's that little gas can um, in your car with the arrow. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Who can tell me what this means? Does anybody know? You do? If you know what it means, let me see your hand. If, you, if somebody was like, I don't know. <laughs> Even Pastor Gray was like, mm. So this was made in 1986, right? Like almost 30 years ago, could be deemed old. This was made by Ford Motor Company. And what that arrow shows you, if you can see it, on that gas can when you're driving your car, it shows you what side the gas tank is on. Anybody pulled up to the gas station and you're like, I don't know what side the gas tank is on. Well, wouldn't this be nice if you knew, right? You wouldn't have to ask. You wouldn't have to run outside the car looking crazy. You wouldn't, I see some of y'all are getting revelation. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. So this is the same thing like money. When you know how to use it the way God tells you to use it, it'll change your whole life. All right. And you don't have to run around the car. Next slide. <laughs> this is a picture that the Lord gave me. I don't know. Can y'all see this? Okay. This is, have y'all played Mario Kart? Yeah? Okay, no, some of you are too young. That's fine. Mario Kart. They have these little diamond squares. That does make no sense. Okay, diamond or square, what is it? It's like a diamond, but it's, it turns, so it looks like a square sometimes. With a question mark, and they're like cubes, and as you drive, you want to hit them because you're driving against your opponents. And when you hit one, it empowers you to either take down your opponent or to go faster. God's way of seeing money is just like this. And you know what? I didn't make this up because I was praying about it, and I got this picture, and I'm not kidding you. Jorge, I'm so sorry to do this to you, but could you stand up here? He came, y'all, with this shirt on this morning to our service. This is my sign from the Lord that he was talking. So anyways, that's how I want y'all to see this today, okay? So I'm going to start. I'm going to jump in quick. I'm going to start with what money is not. 
first, okay? And how the world sees money, which I have been tempted and still am to see it like this all the time. So the first way the world uses money and sees money is for power, right? It's natural. I think one of the best examples is the tip. Y'all know how we tip at the end of service, like when you get a lunch or whatever, you tip at the end. The tip was actually created to ensure prompt service, TIP, to ensure prompt service. So when you give tips, it was actually like a power play, right, with your money back in the day. You'd come in the restaurant, which I wish we could still do this because I would do it all the time, and you'd tip them and they would seat you first. Whoever gave the largest tip would get, get seated first, and that's how tips were used. Now they put them at the end and I'm like, who did this? Because I need the power back, but we're not supposed to use it this way. So that's just an example of how the world would use money for power. But the reality is, as Christians, we don't get our power from money. That, if you get your power from money, I'm going to be 100% real, you, that's your idol. If you feel like you can use money, and I struggle with this, guys, so I'm preaching to the choir today, my own self. If you feel that money can give you the next step up in your life, it's a dangerous place to be. If you're looking to money, if the thought is, because I can, I can tell you this because I've dealt with it a lot. If the thought in your mind is, if only I had a little bit more money, I would be this way. I could do this. I would be better at this. I could change this. And though those thoughts are partially true, partially true, it's still the essence of it being partially true means it's a lie. If God could provide this, right? There's a subtle difference, but that's how the enemy works, right? He is the father of lies. So he'll get you with a hook that's just enough, right? And if you don't know the foundation of how God wants you to use money, you'll bite it. And you'll live your whole life thinking, if I just worked a little bit harder, if I just got a promotion, if my husband would just work his tail off a little bit more, everything would be okay. Everything would be completely different. And that's the lie. Let's go to number two. Another way the world uses money and sees it, it's for status. You know, I, I hate Instagram right now for this one reason. Everybody has a picture on a yacht no. <laughs> or like at some fancy location and then their life is miserable, but they don't show you those. So you think their life is great and you go down a spiral. Girls, I know, and some of you guys too, I know you deal with this. Not all of us, but some of us, and I'm being honest. And so you go down this spiral thinking, man, their life is so great, and if only I had a better paying job and I had uh, money because I, you know, whatever, I would be just as great, okay? Number three, for independence, right? Oh, I love hearing teenagers when they're like, oh, man, I cannot wait to get a job. I'm like, oh, man, I wish I could go back home. I miss, I miss those meals, and I miss, like, not having to wake up early. Oh, gosh, I, I love when they say that. I just want to be like... I cannot wait till you realize the reality of what being independent is like. It's very hard and it's difficult and you fight your battles on your own, right? Same in Christian world, same with the Lord. When you separate from him and you believe that money will buy your independence, right? When you believe that you will be better off on your own if you only had some money, it's a dangerous place to be because when the battles and the storms come, who is there for you, right? So that's just a little bit of how the world looks at money. But I want to really land on how God sees money. I have three main ways that God sees and wants us to use money. They're not all of them. So I encourage you to dig in on your own. This is just like a springboard, right? But I want to just jump in and talk about these ways. The first way 
that God desires for us to see and use money is for intimacy. And I know that sounds so strange because we do not think of intimacy and money like we don't even put them in the same sentences half the time. But the reality is, is a, mo- a lot of us, excuse me, we see intimacy as hugs and kisses and maybe even worship. Like you come in, you close your eyes, you kind of disconnect, you engage with the Lord. That's really intimate. But I'm telling you, and I want to bring up this scripture, I have never become personally more intimate with the Lord until I decided to give him my finances, which is not easy to do because it's a constant check-in, right? The moment someone starts calling you 12 times a day and you have to answer and talk to them 12 times a day, wouldn't you say that that's pretty intimate? Yes, that's me and the Lord. He answers every time, praise God. But like, I'm always like, hey, Lord, should I buy this? Should I not buy this? What do you think, Lord? What do you want me to do with this excess, Lord? And I want to show you a scripture that I really believe provokes intimacy, that talks about intimacy. So this is Paul right here talking in Philippians 4.19. And he's talking to a church about giving, the church of Philippi. And he's saying, hey, here's kind of, I know you gave, and I want to talk to you about it. And so this is just the end of what he said. I, I think you should go read it if you're interested. I think it's a really cool chapter. And so he goes, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And he says, because you gave. You have trusted him by giving, and now he's going to supply all your needs. Now, this can seem really random, but the reality is, is when you entrust somebody to supply all your needs, which Paul is recommending, he's saying, God will do this when you give. God will do this. You don't have to do it on your own when you give. He is saying this. Supplying all your needs is a big deal. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like an infant when somebody says to me, hey, let me do it. And that's my biggest struggle sometimes as a human being. I'm an American, you know. I want to do everything on my own. Hey, uh, I can carry the bag on my own, right? I had to learn that as a woman. Like, man comes by your side, says, can I get your suitcase? I just be like, no, I can do it. I'm athletic. I've worked out in the gym. Don't touch it. And the Lord was like, um, could you let go? Like, get off your high horse. And so eventually I'm like, you know what? If the Lord sends somebody to help me out, I need to let go and actually receive. I'm not the superhero. I'm not my own God, right? The moment you say God is my God, your mentality has to become, right? Not me. I can do it all by myself. And maybe I might ask for help when I feel like it. It's all up to me. It has to become God. Here's my money that you've allowed me to make. So it's really our money. What do you want me to do with it? And now, once he tells you that, how do I walk out how I live, how I receive? Because people will give to you if you allow them. You'd be so surprised. I think one of my best examples, I was on a music tour one time, and I was broke as a joke, y'all. I'm just going to be honest. And I was there because the Lord told me to be there. And I remember that I had like a debt payment and it was like $254 and like 61 cents. I know because I paid that debt payment for a long time. So, and I didn't have it. And I remember the Lord giving me specific instructions because I was desperate. So I was in prayer about it. And long story short, somebody dropped a show on us. This lady from Starbucks, it's a random story, came up to me and was like, I have a house in that same city. I overheard your conversation. So we end up going to her house, like 30 people on this music tour that I was in charge of. And it's amazing. It has a pool. It has a kitchen. And it was totally just like for us on this golf course in Miami, Florida, which is crazy. So we're sitting there. And I remember after our show, right, after being there a day, I come back in and this guy runs out. 
Marte Marte, which is my middle name. He goes, there's a check for you. He's so excited. I was like, oh, from who? And it's from that lady. And if I wouldn't have heard the voice of the Lord, I would have never even been in that situation to receive like that. And so that check was exactly the amount plus a little bit more. It was like $300. I could pay that payment and then give some to somebody else. And so the Lord wants to provide for us, but the reality is, is a lot of us are not aligned. We're not listening. So I just want to share that. Let's go on to the next point. God uses money and wants us to see money as an active mirror. I know this sounds a little strange, but the reality is, is money will show you exactly where your heart is. And the Lord uses it as a tool for just that if we would know how to use it. So sometimes, and I I don't know if you guys experience this, just give me a nod here and there so I'm not totally like off track. But sometimes I personally, and I'm your worship director, right? I'll feel like I'm dry or like I have not spoken to the Lord in a while. And I'm like, am I in tune? If you really want to know, don't, I love what Hannah said today. The worship team did amazing, by the way. Just such, wow, faithful stewards. Um, Yeah, give it up for them. Hannah said it so perfectly. She said, now I'm blanking on it, but <laughs> she did. Okay, so long story short, you want to be in the presence of God, and you did say it perfectly. Thank you, Lord, for getting it back. But the reality is, is that sometimes we look to filling and all these supplemental things when we're, like, seeking the Lord out. But the reality is, is he's there. Money is an active mirror to see where your heart is at. I'm telling you the truth. If you pull up, I have an app where I put all my expenses in. If I pull up that little spreadsheet and it shows me, like, the percentages of where my money's going, like groceries, movies, all that, it will tell you exactly what you're after in life, what you're pursuing. And here's a scripture to tell you even more. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. This is Jesus speaking. Where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I think another thing for this, I know we're talking about money, but is your time. What do you spend your time on? If you look at where your time is at, you know what your heart is after. If you look at where your money is going, you know what your heart is after. If you look at my money, I'll just be candid, a lot of it goes to debt, right, right now for me, because I was careless and a little reckless as a young person. I wish people would have came by me with a message like this earlier in life, but the reality is I believe the Lord has spoken to me that healing financially is my portion. So my money is going straight to debt in this season to knock it out, to be debt-free, because that's what I believe God wants me to walk in. So, you know, it doesn't just show me that I'm a bad person because I'm looking at debt. So the way you see it, you know, you have to see it with the Lord's eyes. It's easy to be like, oh, she has a lot of debt. She's just reckless. Like, she's after reckless things. No, the Lord has spoken to me financial healing, so I go after that. So you have to read it for yourself. Don't give it to your friend and be like, hey, dissect this for me. Allow your money to show you where your heart is after. And if it's not after the right things, that is great. You can adjust it. I had a pastor one time say, hey, when you're off track, fix it like that. Don't even overthink it. You know, as humans, I think sometimes we just like kind of fall on the ground. <laughs> I'm so sad and I'm such a horrible person. Dude, nobody cares. Get off the ground. The Lord died for you because he knew you were a horrible person. He did it. Like, nobody is great out here in these streets. Like, just get up off your little, like, sad whatever you're doing, okay? Let's move on. 
And so when I make a mistake, I just repent quick. I say, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Lord, give me help. I'm struggling. Boom. Let's go. You know, don't overthink it. Same with this, okay? And third point where I want us to lay our hats, God wants us to see and use money for building and multiplying. That's deep, building and multiplying. Y'all, this shook me when I learned it. I'm going to read a lot of scripture, but it's going to be worth it because I want us to have a moment where we kind of lean into this and go forth, okay? So go ahead and put that up there. All right, here we go. Are y'all ready for this? I should pass the mic and have like, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Everyone read two lines. That's horrible. I won't do that, but okay, here we go. Okay, Matthew 25, 14 through 30, verse 14, it says, For it will be like a man going on a journey. Okay, so this, let me preface. This is Jesus speaking about money. He's giving us an example, right? And so this is really not even the beginning of the story. So let me catch you up if you haven't read it. It's called the parable of the talents. This um, basically like owner of talents, he gave three different people talents, They all, I believe, got different amounts, and they were expected to go forth and multiply. One of them went forth, they got like double or something. The other one like tripled it or something, and the master was super excited. He was like, well done. I'm so excited. Because you did this, I'm actually going to give you more based on what you multiplied. And then one of them actually, which shook me when I found this out because I was like, whoa, what's wrong with this? Because I used to actually think like this. One of them buried the talent which was like a coin that their master, the master gave them. And when he dug it up to, you know, they were all accountable at this certain time, he dug it up to go give it to him. The master said, what in the world? Like, why did you not multiply this? He was upset. And we're going to read it right now, but I just got to finish my little paraphrase. And he goes, get away from me, you wicked and evil servants. I want nothing to do with you. That is, I have no words, because if the Lord sees money that way and we are entrusted with money, it does not matter how little or great amounts you have. I think, to be honest, there's more pressure on the people that have great amounts. If you don't have a large income, let's be honest, I'm going to be 100 with y'all because that's who I am. It's probably better for you. You have less to worry about. The moment you start making all this money, and you lose track of it, you will stand before the Lord and be accountable for it. That's crazy. So let's read this, okay? For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. The Lord knows your ability. Let's just stop right there. If you're not making $100,000 a year or even $50,000 a year, who cares? Can we just put it like a nail in this coffin and throw it away, like bury it? Get out of here with that stinking thinking. The Lord knows your ability, and if you're not making enough, he will bring a witness. He will bring somebody or raise it up. You'll see. He'll let you know. It will be put on your mind that it is time to rise to another level. I know he has done it in me, but if he has not, you are exactly where you should be, and you need to be faithful. All right, let's keep going. Then he went away. The master, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded it with them, and he made five talents more. So also, he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of these servants came back, 
settled accounts with them, and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. This master is a symbol for God, and he is happy that this person took a risk according to what God wanted him to do. He didn't just go blow it at the casino and multiplied, but let's keep going. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servants, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. Wow. I mean, this is definitely about money, but if we're honest, this is about our whole life. And when you come to know the Lord, it is your whole life. There's no question. There should be no question. You give him your whole life. But I just want to encourage us, even more than money right now, to be honest. There's talents in each of us. There's talents in you. There's finances that you have. There's abilities. Some of you have the gift of hospitality. You can cook a mean cookie and bake a great cake. Not all of us are gifted with that. Some of you have the gift of finances. Like, you're good with finances. You're good at the calculations. You do it better than anybody else. Some of you are good at just calming someone down. Some of you are good at music. Different things. You know what you're good at. But yet, I would say a good portion of us, just from discernment, aren't doing anything with it because we're scared. Not because we're just like, I don't want to. I think a lot of us do. A lot of us do. We have dreams. The Lord is probably giving you those dreams, let's be honest, because they won't go away. If they won't go away, you probably try to pray them away, run them away, forget them away, and they're still knocking at your door five years later, ten years later. Those are your talents. I'm here to encourage you, but also to, like, shake you awake. Like those moments where you get shook a little bit, and you're like, I got to make a change. You have talents right now. Talents, financial talents, spiritual talents. Some of you can prophesy. Some of you, you know, you just have the gift of encouragement. That is a spiritual gift, the gift of faith. You have that. We should all have faith, but some of us walk around here with the gift of faith. Like you believe anything could happen if the Lord let it happen. You really do. And you have the ability to encourage your neighbor and your church friends and all of that. Some of us have so much to offer but we're sleeping on it. He says, you wicked and slothful, meaning you're sleeping. Your sloths, they move at such an incredibly slow pace. Have you ever seen one? I've seen one. Slow pace. Like, it, like they can't even catch. Like when they fall from a tree, they're so slow they can't grab it. I've seen a sloth in Costa Rica fall into the ground because he fell and he like, you know what I mean? Like couldn't catch himself. So if you're moving like a sloth, you're basically not moving. You're asleep. So 
I'm here to encourage you, what are your talents? And Ben, you can come on up um, and help me with this one, but I wanna have a time of commissioning. You've heard my spill, which is really from the Lord. You've read the parable of talents. You've hopefully been convicted. I'm here just to help with the conviction. I'm just the messenger, so if you're mad, it's not me, it's the Lord, he did it. Just here as a representative. But I want to encourage you. It's really, I could practically be like, now give 10%, right, of all your money to the church. But the reality is, is like, it's deeper than that. And practically, before we even do a commissioning, I want to just encourage you and say, the practicality of this is not just, now here's all the rules. You guys are incredible seekers, and you need to seek the Lord. It's time for you, all of us. Nobody is out of this. For each of us to seek the Lord and ask him, what do you want for me to do with what you've given me? Because I'm not a victim. Yeah, life has been hard. Listen, life is hard for everybody, and I'm not trying to devalue your problems. Your problems are very important to God and to me as your sister in Christ. But if you do not rise, you, like the servant with the one coin, will be called slothful and wicked. And I know that is a hard thing to hear, but as your sister, I have to be honest with you. If you do not rise when the Holy Spirit says, give your 10% to the church, and it doesn't have to necessarily be glory church, but he puts a missionary on your heart, or he puts glory church on your heart and you don't do it, you will be held accountable for it. If you do not use, I mean, this sounds horrible because I'm the worship director, but if you have a musical gift and you have in your mind been thinking about how you kind of want to try out for the worship team, kind of want to do it, and you never do it, you will be held accountable. That's why I'm up here leading worship, not because I thought, oh, that's what I want to do with my life. It's because he put it on my heart to do it, and I said yes because I knew and I know he will come back again one day and we will all stand accountable, and he will say, Gabby, what did you do with your musical gift? Gabby, what did you do with your money? Gabby, when that homeless man approached you, were you kind? Gabby, did you love? Gabby, when your mom called you, what's up with the attitude for like five weeks in a row and you never repented? <laughs> he will also bring up good things, okay? He's not just a mean God, he's a good God. But he's so good that when he leads you in love and your finances are a part of that, that he will want to know, what did you do? Did you love like I asked you to love with your money? Did you love like I asked you to love with your ability to play sports and your kind heart and your ability to bake? He will ask you. So today, I know this was not the easiest message, but I'm the one that will take the bullet for you. I will do it. I want to encourage you to just stand with me. Just stand with me, let us worship. But before we do, I want us to just um, ask the Lord, what is it that he, what talents he's given us? Because here's what I want for you. He will hold you accountable, but like you have to remember, he's such a faithful God. The Bible says he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, meaning everyone to change. He's, he's good with second chances, eight chances, 52 chances. He's so good. I wouldn't be here. I promise you. That's his goodness. You're not dead. It's not over. So I want him to say to all of us, this, was, this is what keeps me running the race. 
well done, my faithful servants. You tried. He wants you just to try. Just to try. When you get that leading, man, I should have just given this $10, this $500, whatever it is, to Goy Church or to whoever, that guy on the street. I want you to try and not just ignore it. You are, if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in you. I, there's no excuses. This is everybody. The Bible says when you get saved and you profess Jesus as your Lord, he gives you his spirit and it becomes intertwined with yours. That is the reality of the gospel. It is such a gift. And the one thing you have, I don't care if you're not an influencer. I don't care if you don't make $100,000 a year that nobody else, like, well, us, really, your brothers and sisters, we have it. But the world does not have. You have the Holy Spirit. And that is worth $5 billion a hundred times over. The richest man who does not serve the Lord does not have what you have. And that is worth everything. And what he has for you in eternity is going to blow your mind. But the reality is I want us as a family to be aligned with that and to walk through the gates when we're done, which could be a long time from now for most of us. But And him say, I am so proud of you. You were faithful with the $30,000 you made a year. And I am so proud. You changed so many lives by that $10 you gave every time. So I want you to just close your eyes with me. What are the talents? Just take a moment. Just take a moment. Ask the Lord, what talents do you have? What financial talents? What are you calling me to do, Lord? What practical talents do you have for me, Lord? What does it look like for me? God, he wants to use you. What are the talents? Some of you, I just believe you need to call someone that you've been thinking about. That's one of your talents. Some of you need to babysit. Some of you just need to take a day off and spend it with your family. That's your talents. That's the ministry he's called you to in this season. So Lord, I just thank you for my brothers and sisters. I ask that you would bring a revelation as to what their talents are this morning. Make it clear. Give them insight as to how to move forward, how to use every single thing you've given them. And right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that there's no condemnation from my message that you've given me, Lord. I pray that you would lead them, that there would be no pressure, there would be no guilt, that they would feel the joy, just like those servants who multiplied, the joy of their master's work by giving out of their heart, out of love, whatever they have to give, whatever talents you've given them. I just pray all shame away right now in the name of Jesus. As a child of the Lord, you do not walk in shame. But as a child of the Lord, you do rise. And as your sister, I'm just declaring that all of you are rising today in the name of Jesus to walk in the abundance and the talents that he's given you. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this message today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. 
For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.